0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: And we're live. Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined on this fine, quiet Wednesday afternoon by George Sodano, friend of the show, friend of, of myself. Uh, I am lucky enough, I think, to be able to consider him a friend, Uh, somebody who if you watch ESPN games, he's there on the sideline. If you watch ESPN shows, he's there talking about those games. If you listen to ESPN radio, he is on ESPN radio four to seven on the Sedano and Cap show um, every day, which is then uh, live four to seven on the radio and then also available via pod. The man is a very busy man, so I'm not going to hold up uh, too much more of his time. George, thank you very much for hopping on. Happy to be here, bud. Let's talk Lakers trade deadline. <laughs> you what? It's the deadline. I
0: had I had no idea. Like, you yeah, who know would have known that it would on... have been coming up so soon? You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about the fact that everything is still quiet, um, especially on the Lakers front. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, LeBron's subtweeting. Um, oh, Jesus. and how it's likely to continue if the Lakers continue to be quiet here at the deadline. And then right before we went live, we had a nice little morsel um, from Bill Ryder of CBS Sports um, that normally I would kind of chuckle at, um, and I probably still will a little bit, but I I do think um, because it links to some of the reporting I did way back like a month ago, um, that it's worth discussing a little bit, but, but yeah, let's start with, um, let's start with like what got us here with LeBron, where he drops that hourglass emoji. He flirts with the Knicks for basically an entire weekend. Um, earlier this year, he was saying that the Clippers are Ty Lue's team, not any of the various superstars that are there and how Ty Lue has kept that thing together. Um, there are plenty of screen grabs of LeBron side-eyeing Darvin Ham Clearly the season hasn't gone in the way that LeBron would like it to go. It seems like this trade deadline is likely to not go in the way that LeBron would like it to go. Uh, So what do you think the next step in the escalation process would be? Do you think we get another step? I mean, the other other step for him, other
0: than passive aggressive uh, social media posts would be to actually opt out and see what the marketplace would be. I think that's the only thing. Uh, that would that that he would have left to play into at this particular point so um, I guess that's it like that would be my guess but here's the thing in regards to all this okay at least let the coaching part of the equation and I like Darvin Ham I think Darvin Ham um, is a good young coach but I emphasize the word young in the sense that he's inexperienced so there's going mm-hmm. to be a growth curve here and I know Laker fans don't want to hear this and I see all your tweets when I tweet anything about the team, like I get it. Okay. You're
1: saying I, my tweets I was like, yeah, no, please well, yours me, too, no.
0: yours too. I see yours too, but <laughs> I'm talking about the the Laker fans who may be listening at the moment or watching at the moment. I, I get it. Um, but this is part of the, and it's not his fault that he got the job, right? Like the team hired him knowing yeah. that they had an aging superstar and another superstar on the team that have a small window of opportunity. So. You let go of a coach who had gone deep into the playoffs prior to his arrival, who had been part of a championship team. Um, And you hired a guy who hadn't done the job before, who was a great assistant, but Mm -hmm. he had not done this job before. So there was going to be bumps in the road. We saw that last year. And then they were able to kind of make it all work with the trade deadline. Although, in retrospect, and maybe I'm forgetting this uh, slightly, but I feel like the schedule down the stretch was slightly easier than it had been prior to the deadline. And they also got great matchups for them in those first two rounds of the playoffs. And Mm -hmm. I look at this team now and say, well, maybe that was a little bit of a mirage with this particular group uh, because of the schedule and because of the matchups. And maybe this team, as currently constituted, is matchup dependent, right? That if they get the right matchup, that they could potentially advance out of the first round, or maybe even the second round of the playoffs, which kind of is what LeBron has said. On certain nights, we can beat anybody. On other nights, we can get our ass kicked. But I think ultimately, this stuff to me is an organizational failure in a lot of ways, because if you hire a first-time head coach, there needs to be some semblance of hand-holding. There needs to be some semblance of, hey, here's what our analytics staff is saying about lineups or whatnot, or here's how we can help you. And it feels like everyone there. Is on an island and they have to fend for themselves. It's like the, the adage of throwing the kid in the pool and saying, Go swim, even though he's never learned or she's never learned how to swim. And you're throwing him in the deep end. And again, you could have solved some of this years ago, even before Vogel, if you just would have been less frugal about hiring Ty Lu, who LeBron clearly praises now more than he even did when he was in Cleveland. Not that he, <laughs> look,
1: he, the not that he
0: praised them all that <laughs> much in Cleveland, but at the end of the day, They clearly, I I think of all the coaches he's played for, they had the best relationship. Um, So there's just a lot of things that fall on the organization that I think are not being discussed enough. Not to say that the lion's share of the blame on the day-to-day shouldn't be on Darvin Ham, but I think that a lot of these issues could be avoided if the organization was more uh, aggressive in aiding their coach and aiding themselves in these situations, when they arise in real time,
1: yeah, I think I think a lot of times when you find negative trends in an organization, they can often be charted upward, right? Um, the thing that the thing that I was kind of thinking about while you were talking about making Darvin Ham the head coach of a LeBron James team with championship aspirations, um, this isn't like you know taking over a Kobe team when the expectation there was like, they were going to win 20 or 30 games. This was a team coming into this season and last season. We're like, no, no, we're expecting you guys to vie for a championship. And George, like one of, one of the things that has frankly been inspiring and in watching from afar is your um, undertaking of trying to do play by play for football stuff. Right. And, and, and doing that stuff. And, and I'm just thinking of like, imagine while you, while you've, been trying this that like your first job is the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, right like it was just right. like it, essentially that's what they're doing here with Darwin, where it's like, all right, uh, you know, yeah, sure. Normally first time head coaches get to swim over there in the shallow end and you get to stand up occasionally and you get some, you know, you get to bowl with some with some guiders and some bumpers on each side or whatever. Uh but no, this time we're gonna dump you in the deep end of not just like a nice YMCA pole or something like that. But no, like the kind that the killer whales swim around in, in SeaWorld, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. have fun, buddy. Yeah, and by the way, I had a similar
0: commentary just recently on my radio show, and the reaction on social media after I said it in real time was, well, you know, Ty Lu and Eric Spolster and Pat Riley were first-time coaches, and they won championships. And the difference is, those guys were assistants on those teams where they won championships for, okay? Um, yeah. and, and by the way, so if Darvin Hamm would have taken over for Mike Budenholzer, at least there is some um equity amongst the group of players that he is coaching at that particular time. He came to a completely new situation. Yes, I know he coached as an assistant with the Lakers back in 2012, but none of those guys are here right now. so there's no yeah. equity with this particular group too, which which is also another part of the equation.
1: Not to mention the amount of experience above those guys' heads, right? Spo had Riley. Riley had Jerry West. Yeah. Uh, uh Darvin Ham
0: right? Who who had been yeah. a successful GM already for a little bit, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, Darvin Ham the experience above his head is Rob Polinka who is still in his like, you know, fifth year in in this position. Who's with,
0: also fairly new at the job, right, to your point. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah. So like when, when LeBron shows his frustration on all this stuff, like I I know fans, Lakers fans in particular, especially Lakers fans who like really prefer Kobe to, to LeBron. I think that's always a bit of an undertone when, uh, Lakers fans criticize LeBron is like, well, he's not Kobe and sure, whatever. Kobe also was kind of pissed off at one point with the Lakers. And I think it's the star's job to hold the, the organization's feet to the fire when they aren't doing their jobs by the way i mean i know it's a long time ago now
0: but he was literally in a strip mall in orange county when some kid was recording him on a flip camera phone yeah back in those days asking about trading andrew bynum for jason Kidd, and he was like of course you should trade andrew bynum for jason Kidd." Uh, so like yes this this has
1: happened before in a much more aggressive and less passive way yeah Maybe, maybe I, maybe I kind of want it to be more aggressive, like, like aggressive, aggressive, like, like I want to, I'd maybe. like to see active aggressive here from LeBron at some point And maybe to, to, you know, where, where this all started, was you saying that maybe that looks like him opting out in this upcoming season, or if not opting out, asking for a trade after he opts into the $51 million um, player option that like you know, as I don't see that change. option,
0: by the way, I don't see that.
1: Maybe I'm wrong. What trading Maybe, or
0: I don't see the trade part of the equation.
1: See, I don't see him opting out of 51 million dollars. This is one of the cheapest players in the league. <laughs> no, I, no, I get
0: that part of it too. Um, I just don't, I don't think, I think the trade thing, I don't, I just don't envision it for him. Like, I don't yeah. see that as something he would do. I think if he opts in, he's staying. I think if he opts out, then it, you know, everything is up for grabs. Uh,
1: the Lakers, I think, could go a long way here in convincing him to stay, if they somehow pull off this this Dejounte Murray trade, right? If they if they essentially like they meet him halfway here, and and they uh, find a way to bring in another clutch client, somebody a, a, a point guard who I think would be a little bit more dependable than D'Angelo Russell would be. I like what D'Angelo Russell has done this season. It's been a fun story and all of those things. Still don't trust him in the postseason, though. There we go.
0: That's it right and, there.
1: <laughs> and, and and by the way, LeBron just watched in last last postseason. Not only did D'Angelo Russell get benched in that uh, four-game sweep to the Denver Nuggets, he was called out before it and specifically targeted and taken out of the series by the opposing head coach. And LeBron, I'm sure, saw that. Was like, I, I don't know if you could fix this. And I don't blame him for saying, like, I think I would like to bring in somebody who that isn't as much of a risk with. And the precursor to that, before he was even benched, don't forget, Dave McMinneman had a report
0: that said they were uh, they were worried about benching him at the at that series or early in that series because they thought they'd lose him. Okay? And look, <laughs> yeah, if right. I had to guess, DeAngelo's probably tired of all this, too. If I had to guess, and this is a, just a re- reckless speculation. You don't have on to. He
1: life. said it. He said, yeah. I don't care anymore, which normally right. when people publicly say, I don't care, it means they care.
0: Right. Um, But I think he wants, if I had to guess, he probably is okay with just being out, you know, at this point. But to your point, and I know people will push back and say, well, DeJounte Murray's on the 27th ranked defense this year. Look at the team around him, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody on that team that's necessarily a good defender. Maybe Capella, but he's not even healthy anymore. Um, And so DeJounte Murray, if they could get the San Antonio version of that, sure, no problem. You got a point of attack defender that can at least make Jamal Murray's um life a little more difficult if you face them in a playoff series but here's the thing i said this yesterday on my radio show and people can listen to the podcast to get the full extent of it is there are two paths here right for the lakers right now and i don't know if appeasing lebron is the right path necessarily unless you truly feel that Dejounte murray is part of your future moving forward because his contract Mm -hmm. is worth it i mean it only tops out at about 30 million at the end basically so and it's he's under contract for several more years Um, And he's still young 27 years old. So, and he's shooting a career high from three. So things are trending upward for him offensively in a way that you hadn't seen previously. And I know his previous three point percentage numbers were not great, but let's not forget. And I'm not trying to say that this is who he is, but Jason Kidd, at around this age learned to shoot three pointers. He was terrible and then became one of the better three point shooters in the, in the sport uh, at this particular juncture of his career. So the, the path is you go with DeJounte, right? And you trade D'Angelo and whatever assets you need to trade to get DeJounte, which by the way, we don't know if they have enough assets to even get him. But I think, I think you do, even without trading Austin, potentially, maybe I'm just optimistic, but there's one path. The other path is, hey, if you just stand pat, yeah, you may lose D'Angelo as an asset because he's got a player option. And maybe you lose LeBron because he has a player option. But you can at least convince LeBron and saying, hey, we're going to have three picks, not one pick, three picks to go get you that third player that could fit well with you and AD or a multitude of players that could potentially fit with you and AD. In other words, we can remake the roster in a bunch of different ways in the offseason when we have three first-rounders to give up as opposed to just one at this trade deadline. So if you can convince him of that, which isn't easy, Um, I think that in essence is probably the better path long-term for this team because you have to start to think at least a little bit uh, beyond LeBron, which is tough because when you have LeBron, the understanding is you have to push the chips to the center of the table every chance you get.
1: Yeah, so way before, this was weeks ago, um, I recorded a show in which I said that that was a plan that I think eventually would be pretty popular with the Lakers is the idea that, they could hold on to this twenty nine pick this season, and then on draft night specifically, they would be able to move upwards of three picks. and um, you know, it was it was funny because I was recording with Aaron, um who appears on the show every week, and he kind of like he kind of like caught himself like, uh you know and and when I said that, you know I, I, I and and you know, to go with that uh response from him, I started digging a little bit. And as it turns out, over the course of this deadline, that has become a more and more popular approach here to this deadline here with the Lakers, especially because, like, look, I like Murray. I think he's like right on the border of players I'd be willing to give up a first rounder for. He,
0: he's a uh, an occasional All Star caliber player, but with three yeah. picks, you can get a bona fide All Star star, perhaps ascending star to superstar type player.
1: Yeah, and and uh you know, Dorian Finney Smith, somebody who I think would really help. I wouldn't give up a first rounder for him. No. You know, uh the, the the Troy Pistons like to tell anybody and their mom about how they turned down two first rounders for Bojan Bogdanovic last year. It's like I, I wouldn't announce that I did something dumb to the world personally, but you yeah. know what? Do you right because you now know? he's
0: not worth that, right.
1: Yeah. And, and so like, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth there, the market just doesn't have very many guys that I would like go out of my way to trade a first rounder for. And the guys that you would, I'm not even positive for necessarily on the market, right? Guys like Kyle Kuzma, the Washington wizards are, are, you know, keep on talking about him or that his name keeps on coming up. But every time I hear about him, it's like, is it one, is it two, is it two first rounders and a good young player? Is it two first rounders and a legitimate role player now? Alex Caruso, like coming into the deadline, the yeah. price was so high on him. Bulls that teams around the league were like,
0: right. which is also you- hard because Alex Caruso only makes $10 million. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's not, I don't even know. Like, I get that they want a lot for him, but I don't know if you can get that much for him just because financially, I don't know if you could get that much for him.
1: Yeah. And, and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, that's why, you know, when, when this uh, came up earlier, um, like literally minutes before you and I went live, um, uh, Bill Ryder of CBS sports tweeted sources tell CBS sports that a complicating factor on whether, whether or not the Lakers acquire an impact player in the next 24 hours is the belief within the organization, they could have a chance to acquire Donovan Mitchell this summer. Knicks could also be in play or also could be in play. Um, I've been like the the story on Mitchell essentially is that he has wanted to go to New York basically since he's been a Cleveland Cavalier or Miami. And,
0: he's wanted to go or, to Miami too. Um, because also, Miami. Dwayne Wade, the does. guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, and this is something I mentioned on my radio show uh, two off seasons ago. Um, the when the Heat. Not this past year when they went to the finals. The previous year they beat Philly in the second round of the playoffs. Do You know who was hanging out outside the Heat locker room the entire time in Philly? <laughs> yeah, Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, what I'm saying is they they will be in play too um for sure. I mean, as they tried for Dame unsuccessfully this offseason um they're going to have multiple picks to be able to give up too. So I think the Knicks is an obvious one because he's from Connecticut. He grew up a Knicks fan. His dad worked or worked I think he may still work but definitely worked for the Mets so he's a New York kid in a lot of ways or the tri-state area Um, but Miami's going to be in play and I think the Lakers should take a swing at him if he's available if he's if if, and Cleveland has to deal him this offseason this is going to be their time to maximize uh, a Donovan Mitchell trade so yes I do think that those three teams and probably a few more will be in that mix
1: yeah and and you know, I think for the Lakers, one theory that I've been, this is just a theory, this is just speculation on my part, but one theory that I've been kind of, that I've had bouncing around in my head here is that I don't think the Lakers want to use any post LeBron draft capital on anybody other than the star who will play with LeBron and then play with the Lakers after LeBron. Correct. And, and, um, you know, so when, when Bill, you know, tweets it that way and phrases it that way that was essentially like a version of the theory that I've had bouncing around in my head. Is that like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that the Lakers, I think the Lakers would happily give up whatever second round draft capital that they have to upgrade from like Gabe Vincent. You can actually swap Gabe Vincent's contract out with um Dorian Finney Smith and you could attach however many second rounders to, to Gabe Vincent, to get that done as you need to. I think that's something that the Lakers would happily do because they don't know that they're going to get anything from Gabe Vincent this year. Um if you wanted to go from D'Angelo Russell to uh DeJounte Murray, fine. Um, but if it was like it was something closer to Tyus Jones or something like that, again with with second rounders or or that would cost less uh to, to to go out and get that, I think that is a path of yeah. the league. Things
0: around the margins would make more sense because it would allow them to preserve the capital that they have uh and will open up for this offseason to go get themselves that transitional player you're talking about.
1: Here's my only concern, though, and it tracks right back to LeBron, is that he has been told this a few times over by this front office. Just wait till this summer. Just you wait. Right. When they when they traded for Russell Westbrook and it was a disaster right from the get go, um, they didn't trade Russell Westbrook at that first deadline. And they're like, just you wait at this during the summer. We promise we're going to move them. And, and, uh, they didn't wind up moving him that summer. Right. They right. brought him back for the second season. And then in that second season traded him at the deadline. And then wouldn't, you know it, the Lakers took off immediately? Um, they've, they've done this thing with LeBron where it was like, yeah, superstar X wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you like to play with this player? And I think this approach works, um, with Polinka with, uh, Jeannie bus, right. Where he's like, well, you know, technically this player could be available in the summer, and Genie's like, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. And, we'll, and 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 I think he gets the go ahead from ownership. But I kind of think at this point, LeBron, as much as I think as much uh sense as Mitchell would make next to him and Anthony Davis, I wouldn't blame LeBron for being like, uh, eh, all right. Good it's luck not a sure
0: thing that you're gonna get him, right? Yeah. Like that's like you have like the Knicks have more ammunition than you. Um you know what I'm saying? So there's that part of the equation. Yeah. Uh, from a draft, you captain. would almost
1: need Mitchell to force his way to the Lakers, which is not something that anybody in the league thinks is going to happen.
0: No, he's not going to force his way anywhere. He's just going to, you know, I mean, listen, if he wanted to force his way, he would not have gone to Cleveland. He wanted to go to the Heat at that time, um, or or the Knicks. Those were the two teams that he was most linked to back then. So he's not that guy. He's not gonna. He's not gonna upset the apple cart or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not what yeah. he does.
1: So, Cavs are um, also good. They're the two seed, right? They also are <laughs> so good.
0: good. Um, I don't think they're championship good. I think they're regular season good. But you know, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how that works itself out. So I do think that they know they need to maximize what they need to get for him, and this is the off season to do it. Um, but yeah, look, I will say this, and I'll leave you with this, okay? Because I got to go here in a couple minutes, unfortunately. But yep. and thank you for having me, as always. But. LeBron, and I've repeated this on the radio show, and people can find it uh, you know, on the podcast throughout the last several weeks that I've been talking about this. LeBron has given the Lakers so much more leeway than he ever <laughs> gave the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. It, the runway he has given the Lakers, I mean, it's incredible. Um, and Laker fans have no idea that that's been the case. Like, they are not, they, I don't think they care um, because they feel like they're entitled to it because they're, they're the Lakers, you know what I mean? But, yeah. LeBron used to weaponize his contract all the time with the yeah. Cavs, and every opportunity he's had the chance to try to do that with the Lakers, he's chosen to bypass that particular option. So while you you're right that you know that they they continually do this to him, he continually is okay with it, even though um, he may seem disgruntled about it. And ultimately, he doesn't take the the nuclear option with them that he at least threatened to take with Cleveland. Uh, in his second tenure there, and putting their feet to the fire constantly, uh, as he did there, he did it with Miami. <laughs> like... Well, he did it at the
1: end with Miami. But... <laughs> Remember, he was pissed that um, that they because didn't they, bring uh, back they, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Miller M- was uh, Mike Miller, yeah, was
0: uh, amnestied, right? Yes,
1: yeah, and and you know, I by the way, again, that's what stars should do. They're the ones who were like whose legacies are on the line with this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like. At the end of the day, LeBron is chasing Michael Jordan's numbers and he's chasing legacy status that in stature that like we can only kind of fathom, barely fathom. Um, I totally understand why he would apply pressure. But as you said, George, you do have to get going. Um, thank you very much. I, I'm going to stick around here. I'll answer some questions here from the comment section um, from this live audience. So get those questions in and I'll answer them as best as I can. Um, but thank you very much, George. Again, you can check out his show. Uh, with scott kaplan's uh Sedano and cap four to seven live on espN radio um as well as via podcasts uh I- everywhere that you find your podcasts you can check them out on the sidelines for espN games you can check them out on around the horn all over the place man thank you very much for 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 carving out a little bit of time here for for us on on this tiny little show that you keep on helping us out with
0: No, it's a great show. You know, I love you, kid, and uh, you do a great job. And, uh, you know, I know Laker fans don't love the Clippers, but you'll see me tonight on Clippers Pelicans and next week Warriors uh, Clippers. Uh, No Lakers games on the schedule uh, until after the All-Star break. But uh, nonetheless, that's where you'll see me. Thanks for having me again, bud. Take care.
1: Have a good one. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and take some questions here from the – from the questions or from the comments in here and I'll start here. So yeah. All right. They got Westbrook and um, obviously it didn't work out very well. And that goes, you know, on the docket of things that the Lakers had previously previously done for and with LeBron. <laughs> I think we also need to hit this home though. They did it for and with LeBron where Rob Polinka was very much okay with happy about bringing in um, Russell Westbrook, somebody who Kobe um, the whole reason Rob Polinka has this job is because of his relationship with Kobe Bryant and, and, you know, Kobe would talk about Russell Westbrook as kind of the heir apparent to that whole like mama mentality thing. And so the idea that like Rob Polinka would have to be forced, you know, arm tied behind his back to make this call, Um, it's just, it's just not true. And I don't think LeBron particularly appreciated in the years after that, um, you know, the idea that Rob Polinka was like perfectly okay, making it seem as if it was just LeBron who pulled the trigger on that deal. So that's, um, you know, that's something to take, take into account. Even when you talk about, um, somebody who LeBron wanted to get once upon a time and the Lakers did go out and get, Um, you know, on his behalf, but also on their own behalf too. They were happy to have Russell Westbrook. It was just a miscalculation as far as what his fit would be with LeBron James and how the organization would be able to operate with Russ's $47 million contract on on their books. Um, All right, I'm going to answer a question here from Matthew. Uh, Anthony, don't you think it's better to get Murray now? They can pair him with uh, two firsts this offseason's rather than three first for a superstar. Um, you know what? This is, you know, had I had more time there with uh, Sedano, I would have mentioned this too, that I actually like the idea of bridging that gap um, and operating in, in in the middle there, um, where you use the 29 pick that you have at your disposal this year, and then you use both of the picks that you have at your disposal in this upcoming offseason, to further add to the roster. The problem is, and this kind of goes back to what I talked about last night. And this kind of goes back to the way that Rob Polinka just operates. He Rob Polinka is always going to prioritize superstars, period. That's how he operated as an agent. That is what he has done so far with the Lakers. Um, you know, that that's just how this goes here with, with how he does his business and how he sees the game. And like, I really think that, and, and to the report that um, Bill Ryder threw out there, I really, it, it makes a whole bunch of sense to me in part because it was something that I was already thinking about anyway, but it makes a whole bunch, bunch of sense to me that Rob Polinko would not want to trade the 29 pick because of the potential, opportunity cost in this upcoming summer. Um, and, and also, you know, this is where LeBron's contractual status here matters as well, where the Lakers are probably not comfortable moving, you know, post LeBron draft capital without knowing for a fact that LeBron would be here at least after this upcoming summer. Um, And I, I think that is something that the Lakers are, are, are always going to weigh. So, Um, Oh, here we go. So we finally get another trade. Adrian Bozarowski is tweeting out that, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are trading, uh, Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics for two second round picks. Um, all right. Obviously doesn't really affect the Lakers all that much. Although I do like Xavier Tillman. I think he will help the Boston Celtics. I thought I was really impressed with Tillman in the series against the Lakers when Memphis was really shorthanded. Um, but here's where I'll say that this is noteworthy in that we've seen two legitimate role players, um, you know, like seventh or eighth guys in, in a good team's rotation, go for second round draft capital. And the more that we see these types of players move for second round draft capital. Now, Dorian Finney Smith would be a starter. Alex Caruso clearly would be a starter. Deshante Murray would be a starter. So maybe the going rate on starters is first round draft capital, but if the Lakers do want to do something, um, you know, on the peripheries of their rotation, right on the peripheries of their roster, then maybe just maybe you can add to the roster, turn Gabe Vincent into a player that you are more confident is going to help you this year with second round draft capital. And you do keep open That possibility of of using all three picks here um, this summer, or like by the way, I wrote this at the time for Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, I'd have to find the the article again, and maybe um, maybe I'll I'll find it and and um, write a, a different version of it for my own Substack. But the Lakers, in in their own kind of way, have very very quietly or loudly, if you've been paying attention they've maintained this stance that they aren't positive what LeBron and AD are capable of doing for them in regards to championships, right? Every year, like Harrison and I have talked about this now for years, where it's like uh, we feel like those guys continue to have to like prove to Rob Polinka, hey, no, we're worth investing in. We promise we will, we will, you know, elevate the organization to higher highs if you just give us a decent roster. And it's always Rob Polinka who's just like, well, we'll see, you know? And um, that's why it's so frustrating that the two opportunities that LeBron and AD have had with even decent rosters, sensible rosters, you have a title to, to, to show for it and a trip to the Western Conference finals to show for it. And, um, you know if i'm those guys i'm i'm sitting here saying as well oh can, look at what we've done when you've given us decent tools to work with when you know when when we've had like decent ingredients we've actually made some really nice meals for you and and the fact that like i i do sense that that is going on in in a way here again where it's once again it's it's rob polinka like having to weigh the idea of trading a 29 first or holding on to that first rounder um it does make me wonder if like even if that star does become available this summer like what would be that definition of a star would the lakers maintain that it's a very narrow perception of that and would they just ride out these lebron years like that's been i know that this is a very kind of dark image that i'm painting for everybody here but it is something that it's on my mind and and their actions kind of point towards it where it's like I kind of think that they have been surprised at how long LeBron has been this good for. And they are concerned that the second that they expend more draft capital to help LeBron, that he would start to break down in one way or the other last year's playoffs. He wasn't healthy, you know, and, and um, your chances at getting hurt only increase as you get older. So the, the, the Lakers might be sitting there thinking like, Let's hold on. Let's keep on keep as much of our powder dry as we possibly can um, and maybe prepare for the post LeBron years because there's no telling at this stage of his career when that might be, you know, every it, it, science and father time to this point has, has um, pretty like linearly, uh, you know, showed diminishing returns on superstars here. Um, and LeBron is very much the exception. And I do kind of wonder if the Lakers are kind of looking at that and saying like, well, until when, because at some point father time is going to win, right? Whether it's LeBron goes out on top and, and father time, um, you know, takes his W alongside him, right? Um, whether it's, you know, a, a more active way where LeBron starts to look a little bit slower or whatever, um, or what, what, what have you eventually father time is going to collect the payment that is due. And, and I don't think that the Lakers are very comfortable, you know, expending a whole bunch of draft capital when that is hanging over your season. The one thing I would say though, is that like you still have Anthony Davis. So you're kind of implicitly saying that you don't necessarily trust him either. So, um, um, yeah, and, and look, like, Devontae is, is, makes a good point here, right? If you're operating like that, then you don't need to be a GM, uh, especially a GM on a LeBron team. If that's how you see it, if you're just going to ride this out with LeBron and you're just waiting for Father Time to do his thing, then, like, trade him and let Father Time do his thing to LeBron on on a different team. The Lakers are never going to trade him. But I, that, that, to me, like, more so than, oh, LeBron's making drama again, trade him for that. No, like when I, when, when I come to the realization every so often of like, I think the Lakers maybe should trade LeBron. Um, it has a lot more to do with the fact that I just don't think that the Lakers really honestly trust LeBron to, to stay healthy and to be able to win a championship. And, you know, if that's how you feel about him, then, you know, and, and maybe he is comfortable riding this out too. And that'll just be how his career ends. But Yeah, with like it feels like every year here for the last few deadlines, um, we have had some excuse made for why the Lakers don't want to expend the like most amount of draft capital that they can. And every year it's some new version of well, you know, we could maybe do something next year, and well, you know, if we keep our draft capital, if we keep our draft stats last year, for example, when they did use some draft uh, capital to move Russell Westbrook um the lakers could have gotten more in that trade had they moved two first rounders along with russell westbrook they could have gotten i believe a little bit more stuff they could have done made that trade earlier in the offseason and brought in uh mike conley right and I, i think that would have at that time cost multiple first rounders to do that and um and at every turn it was like well we want to hold on to some of our draft capital because on draft night we'd be able to move two first rounders and and just think what we'd be able to do to the roster with two first rounders at our, our at our disposal in this upcoming season and then they don't right like it, it, you know this year no trade was made uh, over the summer using that draft capital instead they they used that extra pick that they held Onto um, in that Russell Westbrook trade to draft Jalen hood who has did who done just about as much as I have for the Lakers so far this season. So yeah, I I you know all of this is to say in a very kind of long and roundabout way that if you pay close enough attention, the Lakers are sending a much clearer message to us than I think we would like to admit, right? I don't know how confident they are in LeBron and AD in, in this current league. And yeah, I flatly disagree if, if, if like their actions are pointing in that direction and I flatly disagree with the direction that those actions are pointing in. Matthew writes, uh, I don't think there's any way LeBron passes on that player option. He's a businessman and he's notoriously cheap but that doesn't mean he couldn't pick up that option and asked to be traded. I don't like, there's this weird kind of sentiment around LeBron that he does not ever want to be like officially traded. Technically when he went from Miami to Cleveland, it was a sign of trade. Um, And, and I, you know, nobody ever thinks about it that way because uh, you know, it, it, it's a little different or whatever, but I don't get the sense that LeBron really wants to be traded. And also, the Lakers notoriously do not trade stars did not trade Kobe did not trade magic did not trade Kareem um, did not trade Pau. Uh, pow even right. They tried and, and technically I guess they kind of did right in the uh, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'd have to find I'd but the 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 the, the Lakers just do not like trading stars and um, unless LeBron goes to them specifically and says hey, We've had our fun. Let me go and pursue my sixth ring here. Um, you know, and look, like, yeah, they traded Shaq. That's a good point. But you know what it took to trade Shaq? It took years of fighting with Kobe, of showing up overweight, of demanding, um, you know, giant contracts as he showed up weight uh, overweight. He had the whole – um, he was a headache, man. Like, we always forget this. We always think it was like, oh, Kobe forced him out. And I think there's some of that to it. Like I do think uh, Kobe probably went to them and said like, Hey, it's either him or me. And I think the Lakers kind of made their decision, but like Shaq made it easy for them to make that decision. Um, so the, I do believe they traded Powell for CP three. Um, but then after that, they kind of said, well, screw it. We're going to bring in Dwight and we're going to make it work. And, and they never wound up trading Powell. Uh, he signed elsewhere via uh, free agency and I you know frankly think the Lakers missed an opportunity there. Um so the like LeBron I think would like to go and 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 get his you know fifth and sixth ring ideally somewhere that does believe in him and how that comes to pass is is certainly fascinating to watch. Um I am going to here's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to call it on this episode here. Um, throw the conversation that I just had with George right onto the podcast feed. And then, um, depending on how the news trickles out or doesn't, because this is the day usually where like things are really supposed to ramp up and, um, you know, I'll go live here in the lounge later tonight around the same time that I did last night, uh, to discuss what did or did not happen. And as is always the promise if the Lakers (laughs) exactly the Lakers never traded Alex Caruso, you know, point made. Um, but the, the, the Lakers, um, again, as I'm told still kind of still very quiet there in in terms of what they've actually been able to accomplish. I'm told that Rob Polinka is still trying really, really hard to get something done. Um, and, and, uh, And, you know, if that changes and if we get any breaking news, I will jump right back in here to break that down. So that's the promise as it stands right now. And then, uh, you know, if nothing else, and I'll go later tonight, I'll go live to discuss what didn't happen if we don't get a deal. And then preview, you know, tomorrow, which I do think like if today continues to be quiet, I do think tomorrow will be a lot louder. Um, I I've, I've heard that there are some deals kind of already have their framework worked out and that those would be executed probably tomorrow. But yeah, until then though, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your day, make somebody else's and I'll talk to you. Shoot. It could be a matter of minutes. Could be a matter of hours. Could be a matter of whenever, uh, please do subscribe. Please do hit that like button. Please continue helping this thing grow. And I'll talk to you guys when I do.